All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Crypto with English. I'd like to warmly welcome a returning guest, Dr. Sean Mannion, the Chief Scientific Officer of Equidium Health, formerly known as Consensus Health. Now, Equidium Health is a Web3 person-centered healthcare and research network, and this is to advance health equity and outcomes, uh, optimizing data liquidity. And we're going to get into the weeds as far as some of the upcoming projects and initiatives. So, Sean, thank you very much for, for coming back on. Um, I know Thanks it's going to be a very... Yes, absolutely. I know it's going to be a very, very exciting year for you. And we definitely covered a lot of ground last time as far as healthcare, life sciences, and the uh, personal data of, of all of us in this, uh, in this ecosystem. So, Sean, again, thank you very much for, for coming on. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I am uh, usually live from Pittsburgh, but I'm, I'm live from Baltimore today. I drove down this morning, so uh, diff different, different part of the East Coast. Right, right, for sure. And uh, I would suggest to anybody, if you're on LinkedIn, check out check out Sean Mannion. He has an incredible profile picture of a falcon perched on uh, his forearm, almost akin to what you'd see in these old uh, paintings from the, the Middle Ages. It's it's very it's very poignant. I love it. That's a, always good to go have a falcon with you wherever you go. You never know when you're going to need it. I'm probably right. probably easier to do in the metaverse than it is in the real world. But we we can talk about that too. Yes, uh, absolutely. So, um, could you talk about Equidium Health? So, um, talk about you know some of the rebranding and uh, some of the projects that are on the horizon for this year. Certainly, certainly, and and uh, as 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 you you mentioned the the uh, Equidium Health is is uh, is a branding a, a rebranding that we've done for our organization, which was originally Consensus Health, um, just in in January of, of 2022. Um, we we um, uh, Consensus Health was. Uh, incubated from 2018 inside Consensus, which uh, those who know the the, the crypto space uh, understand the Consensus is it was started by Joe Lubin, who's one of the co-founders of Ethereum. Sort of a you know a, an R&D shop turned into a business. Lots of you know half a half a billion dollars gone into R&D for a lot of different projects, a lot of different things that have spun off of there. Um, our particular focus on health was uh, inside there for a while, but the differences between fintech and, and, and gaming and, and, and a lot of the other uh, applications and health um, led our CEO and founder, Heather Flannery, to talk with Joe and, 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 and basically say, hey, we need to spin out it as an in independent entity so that we can operate in a, in a different regulatory environment, a different data environment, a different cultural environment of, of healthcare and life sciences. And, and he agreed. And, and, and so we did so in March of 2020. Um, in January of 2022, we rebranded from Consensus Health to Equidium Health. And there were a couple a couple of reasons for that. One, you know, like like any like any kid, we wanted to stand on our own and 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 be right. able to to you know, we are we are still uh, a part of the Consensus Mesh family. Um, we're still a partner within within that environment and have have great um, reach to a lot of other people who've done great work with with uh, the technology that that we build on and and uh, some of the things that have been done for other industries allow us to not start from scratch, um, but to build and, and modify them for healthcare. And we can talk about that a little bit down the line. But equity. Health was uh, was the new name. One to indicate that we are 
um, focused on health equity, focused on data liquidity, but still, you know, primarily focused on Ethereum. And so we are we are not exclusive to, but that is is what one one of the the main uh, areas of of connection that we have with Consensus and 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 the rest of the the Consensus Mesh family. Um, the the Equidium uh, Health brand though is is also to give give a sense that we've moved beyond just blockchain. We we like to say blockchain is necessary but not sufficient to transform healthcare um, because of the differences in in aspects of regulatory uh, um, uh, environment. Uh, really is necessary to put put privacy, put confidential computing first, and that can come in a lot of different flavors, hardware and software, from trusted execution environments. Um, and we work with uh, we work with Microsoft and Intel and some of the the, the solutions they have to to software solutions like homomorphic encryption and zero knowledge proof. So those those combined with blockchain and then also decentralized AI, um, a key component of not only the Web3 world, but but what we think will be transformational for healthcare. No longer centralizing data, but leaving data decentralized, deploying the compute, deploying the queries, deploying the algorithms to the data and leaving the data securely and privately um, in place so that you get derived data back, but you never expose more than is necessary. Those three families of technology, blockchain, decentralized AI, and confidential computing really are the foundation for what we're, we're bringing to healthcare and life sciences. And we think the necessary elements to go from what has been very positive, but very slow moving incremental advances in health tech over the last 30 years, but sometimes they fall short. We're still using fax machines in the United States. Let's, let's put it simply, billions, if not hundreds of billions of dollars have gone into health tech innovation. We're still using fax machines. And people could wave their hands and say, it's the regulatory environment. We could, but it's the environment that we need to get past. So if you can't figure out how to move past the fax machine, maybe you need to do something differently. And we think that difference is, is going to come from the combination of blockchain and some of the power it can bring, both from an auditing perspective, a provenance perspective, as well as the uh, incentivization perspective it can bring. Also, the decentralized AI, not trying to take these increasingly large amounts of health data and centralize them. If you're going to get personalized data about somebody for their health and health relevant data, how are you going to always have that in the same place centralized for a doctor or a researcher? Right. If you can decentralize that, that becomes much more effective. And then, of course, you need that privacy or that confidential compute to ensure regulatory compliance. And, and we even in, include a, a consent component um, that, that was a, a, a group, uh, Fireblocks, F-H-I-R, um, Fast Health Interoperability Resources, Fireblocks that we we acquired in, in December, and their blockchain-based consent solution, which is already up on the Microsoft Azure marketplace, becomes the foundation for people being able to control access to their own data, consent to its use, and with a fine-grained consent, withdraw that consent if they want. And we find that to be a more ethically sound, but also regulatory compliant and and quality ensuring way about the data. And that really all 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 factors into what we think is the, the future transformation of healthcare and life sciences. Wow. And first and foremost, I have to say, this is a very Herculean and admirable mission that you and your team at Equidium are undertaking in, in, as far as transforming and addressing and resolving these various issues and problems within healthcare. And, and in fact, you know, one could say there's, in fact, uh, a certain degree of more complex obstacles within healthcare, actually, as far as scaling and resolving a lot of these issues than certain other industries. And by the way, not to minimize, let's say, other industries, however, but I do feel healthcare 
does have a unique set of issues and circumstances that aren't necessarily seen, you know, elsewhere. So just to unpack, um, you know, uh, some of what you said, I've come across this term health equity um, a few times as, uh, you know, across my research, looking at, you know, healthcare, looking at, you know, blockchain and Web3 and kind of the interplay with all these things. So to a, to a lay person, how would you describe or define health equity? Uh, that's a that's a very good question, and and uh, I've 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 learned a lot from our our VP of uh, social impact and uh, population health, um, who is uh, Dr. Pierre Vigilance, who's who's spent a lot more time on the topic than I have, and 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 it is the case that sometimes that 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 term gets thrown around a little bit too loosely, and and people you know pepper it on things to try and just you know make it sound like they're doing something that's that's, right. that's got social impact to it, but really what it comes down to is that there are there are disparities within health. There are outcome differences for different groups and different 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 individuals within those groups um, in, in, in a way that there should not be. And the, the, the system for a variety of reasons has been set up in a way that doesn't give everybody the same chance at outcome. And, and, and health equity speaks to getting everybody to similar outcomes, to similar positive advances. And there are gonna be individuals that are further behind and just getting them a step up in the in the system that doesn't allow them to move ahead as quickly isn't always necessarily the best way. And so figuring out how you do move populations and 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 different populations, but also individuals in in, in specific um, to the positive health outcomes that we all can share, that really is where where health equity comes to play. And and within health tech, a lot of that comes down to to digital equity and and digital inclusion. You know, if you if you come up with an app that helps people get healthier. Well, that's great for those people who have a phone and can run that app or have the, you know, the, the, the understanding and the comfort level with it, but that's not going to be everybody. So how do you even go further and find the right type of um, foundational advance to bring other people up to speed on on these newer technologies that that, that can help um those who are already within the system there's a lot of people who are outside of the system there are those who, do, who aren't insured or underinsured and making sure that we're looking at those individuals um who, who are left behind for whatever reason um is something that we have an emphasis on yeah and i like uh, i like the term you threw in there as far as defining and explaining equities similar outcomes I, I would imagine that you know having a robust and healthy efficient healthcare system where everybody does have similar outcomes uh, i would say that is probably one of the cornerstones of a you, you could say a modern and uh, you could say uh, progressive forward moving society i'm wondering though um, you know, there's always a fair amount of apathy, you know, anywhere, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's tech or, you know, or other industries. Um, what would you say to somebody who says, well, you know, why do I need like, why do we need this? And, and let me go into that a little bit. You know, having having essentially sovereignty and almost access and, you know, a decentralized system with everybody's information with uh, a high level of security and confidentiality. Maybe like uh, maybe some sort of apathetic person would be like, why should that matter to me? You know, where I am as as I am standing, you know, so, you know, so to say, because um, I've come across like some of these arguments when I've tried to explain like blockchains, other people go, well, why does this matter? And I'm like, well, look at the problems today. And this is how blockchain can address X, Y and Z. Um, so, yeah, to, to that question, I'm wondering, um, 
you know, have you come across things like that? Uh, and what would your thoughts be, you know, as a, as a rebuttal? It's, it's, it's a great question. And, and really it's a, it's a question that, 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 that's a moving target. I've, I've seen this discussed in a lot of different places in the, in the past, you know, almost, almost six years now that I've been in the blockchain and healthcare space. Um, you know, well, well, who wants uh, to have, uh, you know, con control of their own data or some people say ownership of their own data or, or, or uh, you know, control access to their own data? Well, um, I think today it is it is not zero percent of the population, but it's also not 100 percent of the population. And I think today it's a greater percent of the population than it was five years ago when I first started having oh, these yeah. conversations. And so what is it? And 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 also what will it become as people become more comfortable with things? Um, that's that's to be to be determined. Now, you know, it could go back to you know, in, in in when Amazon first started selling books online, what percentage of people wanted to buy books online? Probably not that high a percentage. What percentage of people buy stuff online now, books and more? Well, a pretty high percentage of the population. Still not everybody, but right. it, to 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 not anticipate change in that in that interest, in that capacity, in that comfort level is, is to stagnate, you know, well, there's not enough people today. Okay. Well, what is the incentives towards that? Why would it be beneficial for them? And I, I, I think of it, you know, I'm a scientist at heart. So I think of it in the form of a taxonomy. Well, you know, you can, you can take a taxonomy of, you know, people who visit museums or people who go to a certain types of establishments and think about what are their motivations for that. And you can do the same thing for, for, for this. What is the taxonomy of people who, who currently or in the future state may want to, um, you know, be able to control their own data or control their own health data and have have it be something they grant access to and get compensated for, which is what we're we're, we're setting up. And there are going to be some people who might like to be empowered by that. There are going to be some people who might like to just in principle get something in, as a reward for their data. There are some people who it depends on the dollar amount that they might you know be interested or not. There are others who for altruistic reasons might be interested in putting that data out there so it answers questions for research that goes to improving the human condition overall. And then there are those who you know, might be interested from a novelty perspective. There's there's more you could put into that, but you start to add up what are these different reasons people may want to do this and what percentage have that now, what percentage when they know more about it would would want to do that. That's that's what we're looking at. And I don't I don't have those hard and fast numbers. I haven't I haven't had the chance to do a full market analysis of it yet. It would be interesting to see. But in the pieces that I've seen other people do in the in the literature that I've gone through, I think I think we're you know, if, if, if we haven't gotten to 50% of the population, we're moving towards it when you can educate them on what it is that they, they are able to do and educate them on the possibilities that are out there. So, you know, I might not conceive that I could control my own data or that I could be the one who's who's empowered to have that to say, yes, this research can use my data. But when we see things like every, you know, moving away from healthcare, but, but you know, oftentimes other data is health relevant, social determinants of health data. When you see something like Cambridge Analytica, you know, that happened with the 2016 election, all of a sudden right. people said, wait a second, my data is being used for purposes I don't like. And, right. and oftentimes your data is being used for purposes you don't like and being used to manipulate your behaviors. This is what a lot of different activity on the internet is, is doing right now. Once people recognize that that's the fact, all of a sudden they say, wait a second, would it be better if I had control of my own data, if I knew who was using it, if I knew I was right. going to be compensated for, and then you get that percentage that, that grows even further. So I think we're gonna see a continued movement towards people 
wanting to have that empowerment. Now, does everybody want to be bothered with every little detail? Well, yes, no, maybe we'll, we'll find out. Um, you know, most people would like to know what's in their bank account. They would like to be able to access that information at some point. They don't want to let their financial information just be used by others and them not have, have an understanding of it or being used for their own benefit. Could the same be true for healthcare? I, I, I think it, it is the case. Um, you can also move to the case that can you make it interesting? You know, uh, I know I know people who know more about the, you know, the statistics and the health of, of uh, football players for fantasy football reasons than they do their own health care. Well, right. what, if, yeah. what if what if you, you you had that same granularity where you un understood down to the down to the yardage? what someone did on any given Sunday and instead took that same interest and put it in into an interesting app, giving you the opportunity to advance, giving you the opportunity to be rewarded in health. Um, could that make people as interested in their own health data? I think I think it could. It also is also I often point to fantasy football when people say, oh, people don't understand statistics and numbers and they do if they want to. And that's it's that's, that's, yeah. that's an incentivization aspect. And of course, when you get to blockchain, what does blockchain do in a way that other technologies don't? It can incentivize. That's a very good point. I really do like the uh, comparison, especially when it comes to fantasy football, because I can talk to my friends and they'll know which player tore their ACL which year. But <laughs> as far as maybe knowing their own blood type, uh, some <laughs> don't know. So that is actually a very very excellent point and I, and you know i can only imagine you know at this point in time as you and i are speaking how much of our own personal information has been monetized by third parties you know without our knowledge and you know without us ever for the most part may not ever know and thinking that you know if there is a decentralized framework where i can manage and you could say um have some sort of supervision over the way my own information is handled, I look at that as very, very promising. And if, let's say if I want to contribute that to various research and perhaps in exchange for a fee or maybe not a fee, I can choose to do that as well. And that's that's the system we are trying to set up. I, 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 there is a system of data exchange out there and there's, there's a system of data access and there's a system of data data selling a marketplace that exists. It's 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 legal. But it is um, increasingly coming under scrutiny and increasingly being questioned, both from a right. privacy perspective, but also from a who's getting the reward perspective. Uh, you know, I think, right. you know, not to, not to call anybody out, but it's in the news. Twitter got fined $150 million recently for right. misuse of people's private data. And they're not the only ones. They're just, you know, a popular company that, you know, is out there and got and got dinged. Uh, Google, Google um, and and the the national health system in in the UK have a class action lawsuit against them because people were going in, they were wow. you know their health data was being collected. Someone in the hospital system decided they would sell that to Google, money into the hospital. That seems like a good thing. Google made an algorithm, sells that back as a clinical decision support to hospital systems, and all of a sudden people said, wait a second, shouldn't I get a cut of that? Didn't I contribute to that in some way? What we right. what we have today with health data is effectively it's like a feudal system. If and, and if, if if you recall like now, from history, like analogy, in, yeah. in a very broad brush, feudal system was you 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 lived on land and you were able to use that land and produce some enough food for you and your family if you were lucky. 
but there was someone who was a lord, a feudal lord over that, and everyone else was the serfs, and taxes and, and product and, and, and goods went to that feudal lord who owned the land and effectively owned the labor of the land and the, and the results of that labor. And if you think about it now, that's what's happening with healthcare data. Someone else is taking your data and monetizing it. And sure, you get you get to live on the land. You might get some healthcare in there. But is it possible to have that transformed? And I, I don't mean to say it in a disparaging way. That really is how things have developed as data has become much more important and prominent over recent years. And we're only now thinking about how could this be different? And it could be. And we we, we like to, to advance the idea that, that your, your health data and your data in general is effectively akin to your, your labor. And so now, you know, you can, you can with your labor and, you know, uh, uh, countries that, 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 that aren't um, inclined to just uh, have centralized state ownership of the labor, uh, you, you, can, you can get monetized for your labor. And there's all sorts of unevenness and inequities in that. And, and, and it's, it's areas that still need to be worked on and fixed. But it does allow people to say, hey, if I'm going to work for X individual, that labor is something that I get paid for. And can you get paid for that data? Can we have your data, like your labor, be something that you have some sort of um, reward for if people are going to use it for further gain? That's that's possible. And and it, it, it isn't a, a path that's easy. And it may be a path that doesn't have a a, a perfect model to go after, but the current state of things is far, far worse. And so I always, I always remind people when they say, "Ah, oh, well, the labor market isn't perfect, therefore you shouldn't think that way." Well, the labor market might not be perfect, but we're not living in a feudal system anymore, at least in 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 in, in most of most of the countries on Earth. And so there are advances that we have made, and those advances could be represented in in how we see data, in how people are rewarded for their data, in in their own. Um, ability to to control access to that data. Those are the types of things that I think we're going to see, not only in a Web 3.0 world overall, but really specifically to the transformation of health in a way that makes health data more accessible to researchers in a cleaner way, in a consented way, which is, allows a lot more effective use and allows more signal than noise in the research. And that feeds back into advancing health outcomes and, and, and knowledge translation. Wow. That is a very, very excellent uh, example, and I and I love the historical context you threw in there about the fiefdoms and uh, and serfdoms. It's almost like taking the serf and maybe making that individual a yeoman, so to say, a, a free person. So maybe they can perhaps travel as they please and purchase land and resources, uh, you know, as they please as well. And you know, looking at it based on your explanation, the the serf example is very, very. Um, act very, very appropriate if you were to look at like either Twitter or Instagram or, you know, some of the other major platforms as essentially the local lord or, or fiefdom. Um, many of us, let's say individual users are essentially the serfs on that land. And, you know, um, like you said, we're able to, you know, use that land or use that platform, so to say, but the labor being our information, uh, we virtually have no say in that. And there's virtually no uh, traceability or accountability as far as as much of it, you know, stands today. So that is, you know, very, very, uh, you know, very well said. And as far as the, the metaverse, so, you know, there's no hard and fast date as far as I think when society as a whole, you know, starts to migrate and, you know, in many ways, you know, um, experience some sort of mass adoption. But where do you see the metaverse and 
Quidium and kind of this uh, Web3 transformation over the next few years? Well, I, I think I think the metaverse in, in, in is something that we're still getting our heads around what it is. There is something that fits into the general definition that's already occurring, even if you look at what's happening with certain video games and, 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 and places where people interact virtually and have virtual systems that have longitudinality and, and time dependency and, and interaction with other, other individuals, organizations, and, and other parts of uh, virtual world. So it's not just a closed virtual space of you, you know, walking through a video game, but it instead has, has aspects of the real world within that virtual world. Um, that, that is taking shape and, and we can, we can, you know, uh, talk until we run out of breath on what the definitions of those things are. And there are some people who like to do it and, and, and bless them for it. I, I you know, I, you see that in every place, the, the jargonists, I call them, you know, I, I, I worked in traumatic brain injury and you have, you have people who could talk for days on what the proper definition of a concussion is. But honestly, oh, yeah. that's not helping anybody who's right. got a concussion or something like a concussion or whether a mild TBI is a concussion or whether they're subconcussive uh, issues that can culminate in something that's similar to uh, concussive issues with regard to memory or, or you can keep going and going. But you can at one point decide whether you're in the general realm of concussion versus someone who's just sitting there and nothing has hit their head. Metaverse for me is, is similar. There's there's definitely, you know, me walking out in the sunshine, unless we're in a simulation, which I'm not going to discount entirely, but, but it's, it's not me in the metaverse, but me interacting with individuals in some other virtual world, um, be it, be you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a Roblox player, but I know that's one of the most popular ones on the planet right now. Right. Those become aspects of the metaverse. And, and so the question is then, where will that go? What types of things will happen in there? What's important in there? Some groups are looking, how can they market themselves in there? But but it starts to be where you start to think about health in there is a different thing entirely. Um, you know, even even from can you identify health problems by people's behavior in the metaverse? Um, you know, if someone if someone is regularly playing a you know a, a, an, an online gaming system where reaction time of them in a group is 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 notable, and all of a sudden you see a significant drop in their reaction time. Is that is that as significant as noting that someone you're playing, you know, soccer with on a field all of a sudden can't run as quickly or doesn't react as quickly when you kick the ball to them and they may have some sort of problem and it might be an indicator? Well, yes, it is. And is there a way you can identify problems there? Of course there is. Um, we don't have the systems for that yet, but they, that could be looked at. And I've seen I've seen some um, training, some military training and some other groups that are looking at that that exact um, type of uh, use case for the metaverse and health. But there are there are other things you could have. There are there are a number of mental health issues um, that are that across the planet that that um, have have worsened with COVID um, and a lot of the lockdowns and a lot of the reactions to COVID have worsened these. And we're seeing that more and more. And so. Um, you know, are there are there areas? Um, uh, there's stigma. There's stigma to, to, to mental health issues. There's a hesitancy to go and get treatment for mental health issues. Could there be a way that you could identify mental health problems um, in individuals in in the metaverse, or or is there a way to give them a portal? to some sort of um, talking to a virtual clinician in, in that environment. Um, that, that's, that's another thing that I've seen people looking at and might, might be another use case. But really what it comes down to is, uh, you know, there's, there's a, um, uh, a statement, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna blank on the individual who, who said it, but he's the CEO of a, a, a company called Red Six. I was down at South by Southwest recently, and I really like oh, how he framed nice. it. 
he 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 said he said the metaverse is simply um, layer upon layer of our data moving through virtual space. And if you think about it, what how you are represented in the metaverse is really just a collection of data. And sometimes it is generic data, whether it's, uh, you know, an avatar for a, a video game that just has a generic avatar that it allows you. But sometimes it's personalized and that personalization can be unique to that particular environment or it can be represent, representational of you as an individual. If I, you know, select a, you know, a, 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 a particular gender or a particular, you know, say height to my my avatar in that that is that is similar to me in the real world then it's representational but you can also represent yourself in different ways and that's its own area of, of discussion but is, if if you move through space or if you move through a virtual space with information about you being represented connections to things that you're saying or things that you know or things that you're able to do um there representative of the data about you elsewhere all of a sudden you have a the ability to um, look at how data about you is is known, is shared, is is represented in different environments. What's controlling that data? Who can collect that data? How is that data um, utilized? That's something that having empowerment to be able to control, so that people don't use your data or misrepresent represent you, is uh, is is something that's important. Um, the idea of of, of virtual of, of sorry of of digital twins of having something that's close to the representation of me exist in a, in a digital space, um, one for assessment from from a clinical point of view, two in silico trials or trials that are happening in silicon that, that, that are happening in computers, these can be enhanced by having a digital twin component that allows certain things um, to be demonstrated on that digital twin, saving me from risk of personal injury or, 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 or problems and, and expanding upon what can be known or what can be suggested about a health issue that I have or how I would respond to certain types of stress or, or what type of recommendation to modulate that stress for my particular makeup um, could be done. If you if you are able to do that, someone can take that from you and utilize your representation and monetize it or misrepresent how you are conducting yourself so that you get blamed for it in an environment that's now increasingly shared by a larger and larger percent of the population. So being able to control, have have the the, the sense of, of autonomy, have the sense of sovereignty around the data about you in the metaverse is really becomes a core factor. And there's an identity component to that. There's a consent component to that. And there's aspects that are very similar to what we are utilizing to transform healthcare. Um, as, as, as you think about the metaverse, if everything about you is representational of some health relevant thing, that becomes like health data. And that data can be collected, that data can be utilized by you and your providers to make more specific precision medicine recommendations. And so shouldn't that environment be addressed or, or, or approached in a similar way that, that you do your own health data. And we think that's, that is the case. We think it's, it's nascent for that um, comprehensive solution to take place. But if we can start to get people to collect more and more of their, uh, of their own data, or not collect, but basically make available with their own consent and with their own control data about them, you can get closer to precision medicine, but you can move into a virtual metaverse that allows for in silico trials, allows for representation of you in that metaverse route, allows for different ways of, of being in that metaverse to be controlled by 
empowered by and 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 maintained by you and that 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 self that individual empowerment empowerment really is the core between what's happening in the metaverse and what can be happening with 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 um not just virtual health but with all health information it's it's a, as as i was thinking off the top of my head there that was a little bit messy but and, and but but i'm, no, no, I'm hoping perfect. i can weave together a few points it really is that nascent of conversation i've 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 seen some people talking about it i've seen some people dismissing it which you know okay if you if you don't if you don't want to have the conversation if it hurts your brain that's okay but not having the conversation is just going to create uh, pockets of exploitation of mostly young Very people, well said. Um, which 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 I think we should be working to avoid, and it's going to take a little bit of sorting out before we we are sure exactly where and what within the metaverse um, is something that 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 does need to be connected to self, and and how it can be connected to self in a privacy preserving way is also very important because you don't just want to put everything about you out there. Right, and and by the way, that was an excellent explanation, and. Going off of that, what are your feelings about gamification of partially or completely of, you could say, the healthcare experience within uh, a metaverse setting? So, you know, for instance, uh, you know, since I was a little kid and, you know, Commodore 64, Atari, Nintendo and all that stuff, there's been vast research of, of essentially uh, positive feedback and reward systems that are essentially manifested throughout the video gaming experience so you know taking this into this web3 metaverse uh context um how do you feel about you know let's say this journey or executing certain functions as a user as a participant as a patient you know throughout the i guess you could say throughout this uh metaverse healthcare you know, blockchain-based system, because I'm thinking to myself, and especially when you mentioned fantasy football, you know, the amount of detail people will automatically learn and memorize about their favorite players, but yet know very little about their own, uh, you know, their own, you know, personal health, like, you know, blood type. I still know plenty of people who don't know, you know, their own blood type, for instance. So, you know, imagine, you know, if this is, let's say, a hospital, and let's say this hospital uses a blockchain metaverse ecosystem where, you know, let's say you could create your own avatar and you could navigate with either, you know, different individuals or even access, you know, different types of data, either about yourself or about maybe specialists or staff you need to see. I'm thinking to myself, like, if there's actually some sort of gaming element to this, maybe the amount of detail might actually, um, yeah, yeah, might actually uh, start um, heading in that direction for once where people are like, oh, you know, this is kind of fun. You know, now I want to learn even more about myself. And I feel like maybe gaming might get people there. Yeah, and 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 apologize. I've got um, no, no, I'm visiting people in Baltimore, so I've got some I've got some people here as well. But it is uh, it is the case that uh, the, the the challenge is, is is what is the intention? If people are 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 trying to um, capture and pool your data um, for their own purposes versus um, gamification or motivation or incentivization for you to do things that create data that then enhance their ability to um, tell you what's wrong with you from a, from a health perspective or tell you what might be better for you to, to, to improve your health. That's, that I think is the key difference. I mean, uh, the, the gamification or incentivization is something that, um, 
can be can be used against you and can be used for you. And that's where giving people empowerment of, of that data that is created about them is so important. And I think that's where the, the crux is. You know, we, we, we like to stress when we talk to people, we don't want your data. Don't want your data. Don't want to hold your data. We want to make the ecosystem that allows you to have control of that data and you can grant access or revoke that access to other individuals. That for us is important because if you are trying to create um, a system where people create data about themselves and then you take that data and you monetize it for yourself, that's where there's exploitation. I think that's where there's a problem. And, and, and let's, let's face it, that's currently the environment. And maybe it's not a, a malicious exploitation. It's people seeing opportunities and not realizing they're taking something from somebody else that has value and could have value for that individual. And they've just decided to monetize it because that's the world we currently live in. But if we can move towards you in that environment, creating data, um, being incentivized to create that data, to know that data, to understand more about yourself. These are the things that might be able to um, enable you to have uh, empowerment over that. And those individuals who help you, be it a provider or be it a researcher, um, getting access to that data then becomes a beneficial thing for you and for society. And I think that's where the distinction lies. So I think the gamification and the incentivization is okay as long as it's towards something that benefits you with your knowledge and your consent rather than something that benefits somebody else um, and is simply exploitative. And by the way, as a general question, you know, you've got the uh, gears turning in my head now. How vulnerable is our personal, you know, medical information on any, you know, given day. And, you know, this could either be to hackers, this could be to even just pure, uh, you know, personal negligence, you know, uh, you know, of the staff member or the custodian of, of the information, you know, and, you know, and also even accounting things too, if, you know, if you have to travel and if you're very sick or if you, you know, sustain an injury, um, you know, sometimes I would imagine, you know, you forget things when being examined, you know, by, you know, by the nurse or the physician. So, you know, whether it's like an allergy, you know, for instance, and if let's say you, you forget to disclose that because let's say you have a concussion, you know, you're getting treated and let's say the, you know, the attending nurse asks you some of these questions, you know, people tend to, people may forget these things. And since there isn't a centralized, um, I, I guess you could say, you know, repository where these things can be, you know, easily accessed, it kind of makes me wonder, like, are, how, you know, our, our information is kind of, you know, it, it doesn't really have a lot of, uh, you know, safeguards on any, at, at any given time. That's my feeling, just, you know, ex, you know, kind of thinking about your explanation and kind of the way things have been and, you know, keeping in mind these various incidents like, you know, Cambridge Analytics and Facebook and whatnot, it's not, things are not as, I guess you could say, as safe as one may think when it comes to this. And, and that definitely is a challenge. You know, the, the first challenge is where is that information about you? You know, if every time I go to the doctor, I have to remember my entire medical history, that's going to be a challenge. I'm going to get things wrong, forget things. Self-report is, is, is generally um, a little bit unreliable. Um, but it, but it's also the case that there's so much information that is relevant that, that we're really not even carrying with us. I mean, I could I could carry my my paper medical records with you, and in some in some places, and, and folks in the military have to do this frequently, and, and in some countries it's it's quite common. But but even that's a limited amount of information about you, and has risks, right. and has challenges, and is is long to go through. Um, you know, the the, the a, a minority of information in your medical record 
um, or, or sorry, the, the information in your medical record is a minority of the information that's impactful on, on your health. Things like environments, things like social determinants, the, the things like genetics, these are going to impact a, a, a majority of, of what your health is. And so getting all of that data aligned about you and in one place so that a doctor can make the best decisions about you, or if there's a researcher who's doing population research, that's, that's, that's an increasingly impossible thing to do. It's too costly. It's too risky to have all that data consolidated into a single honeypot. And so if you if you want to be able to do that, that federated approach that I mentioned earlier, being able to leave data at rest and being able to send the compute, be whether it's a, a query or whether it's an algorithm being trained to the data, wherever it may sit. And the data about you may sit on five or six different large servers along with a bunch of other edge devices. All of these things can contribute to the best precision personalized medicine about you, the best decision making on, on what is wrong with you and the best decision making on the, the course of treatment for you. But getting the connection to all of that is, is almost impossible in the, in the current environment for a single physician in a, in a clinic or in a hospital system if you've gone to multiple places and all this other data sits outside of the electronic health record. But if you can connect it all to you, to your own personal private cloud, which is what we are presenting as the option for individuals veterans being the first group that we're working with, but other individuals um, for what we call health utility grids in different geographies. Um, those are the things that allow an individual to say, well, here's all the data about me. It's in my personal private cloud. It's connected in a server at this, this hospital here. It's sitting at a, a clinic here, but I can grant access to an individual who wants to be able to come in and look at it if they're a physician, if they're a researcher, but that access is only limited to them querying it and getting the drive data back, not getting whole copies of it from me. And then it's also the case that that, that that consent or that ability for them to use it is time dependent. And it can be revoked by me if I find out they're doing things that I didn't, didn't think they were going to be doing. So all of that system allows for more data about you to be available, but also allows you the privacy and protection of not um, having your data just out there being copied, being copied, being copied. And of course, you know, besides the incentivization component of blockchain, it's 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 the perfect audit layer. You know, the 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 transactions of you know uh, millions of users Bitcoin are known by absolutely everybody who's 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 downloaded the record. And there's an immutability to to what has been done and and people can trust that well the transactions records of where your health data is who's touched that health data what was it collected by who was it collected by all of that impact how that data is utilized and, and the data is much different than than uh in in fin, in finance or in fintech you know a, a dollar is a dollar a bitcoin is a bitcoin uh my blood pressure reading might be important especially over longitudinal time but i am doing it myself or there was a a trained a trained physician who took it or someone who did it very meticulously for a research study each of those are going to have different qualities so knowing how it was taken what was the device it was taking on taken on when was the last time the device was calibrated if it's if it's connected to a computer what, what was the operating system all of this 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 fabric of confidence and there is something called a data confidence fabric that we're utilizing to layer over individuals data these are things that matter when it comes to health data in a way that, that didn't before so really being able to connect all your data and have a physician or a researcher connect to all your data with your permission being able to understand where that data came from and its quality and then of course being able to keep that data secure and private is all components of what really is necessary in the in in in, in the future we're heading towards Right. 
Well, I, ha I have to say, you know, with what Equidium and you and your team are doing, I think is, is very admirable. And I think without this solution, the cost of healthcare and the risks are only going to increase with time unless we have some sort of foolproof, surgically accurate, you know, forgive the pun, um, you know, you could say repository of data that can essentially be efficiently harnessed and maintained and also activated and accessible, you know, when, when needed. Because, you know, otherwise, uh, you almost have a, I guess, what we currently have now, we're essentially almost relying on uh, really, I guess, in good faith of, you know, the, the parties that we are interacting with. And we're, we're kind of relying and trusting on a lot of, you know, unverified actors and factors, you know, with, within, you know, within the, the system. I, I hope that, let's say, the, uh, the, either it's the intern or the, the attending nurse or physician, I hope that they're, you know, taking their notes act or accurately. I hope they've, uh, you know, interpreted what I've said accurately so it reflects as such, you know, within the, within the medical records and things like that. And even if there is a mistake, you know, it, it, would, be, it would behoove us all to be able to trace and track that mistake as well. Um, you know, I, I, think it, I think one can say that the cost of healthcare seems to only escalate and drastically increase, you know, over time. So data, I think, is going to be one of the silver bullets that's going to greatly mitigate and resolve a lot of those problems. So, uh, you know, listen, uh, Sean, I wanted to say thank you very much for, for coming on today. This was very, very informative. And, uh, you know, thank you for coming back on as well as a, as a returning guest. Uh, I, I had a wonderful time last time going into the nuances of which we're working on. And I'm very excited to see what Equidium Health has in store for all of us this year. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and your team really transform healthcare as we know it and be, uh, you know, one of the pioneers behind it. Awesome. No, I, I, I love being here. Thank you for having me. Great to continue the conversation. We can we can keep on going, too, because I'm sure in, in, okay. in several months time there there will be new new iterations. We've just started work with Nokia and Nokia Bell Labs on, on right. an exchange to allow data to be accessed and to have a, a, a functional value put on it within that exchange without the data moving. Um, and that, that work we're doing with Nokia and then Nokia, they, they, they purchased Bell Labs about six or seven years ago. Bell Labs being historically, you know, one of the, the, the foundational transformational uh, technology organizations in the world. Um, they're doing amazing things. And so we've partnered with them on, on how edge devices can have their data be part of an algorithm training or part of a part of querying for research, yet never reveal that data and never have to move that data. Um, into you know somebody else's uh, centralized database, and so that that would be very exciting for bringing more pieces of data about a person to bear for health. And so we're we're excited to talk more on some of those as they advance as well. So we can we can pick this Absolutely. up in a, in another six months or so. And uh, I was just going to suggest that. Great yes. Thank you. Yeah, I'll definitely reach out to you again later this year, and uh, let's uh, let's make it an event. And I'm very awesome. much looking forward to hearing about all the developments. Awesome. Awesome. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. I'll talk to you soon. Take care.